Who the fuck is this? The cold opens are always the best. The fans love it. You have reverb in your voice now. Are you, like, hooked up to an effects pedal? Oh, me? Oh, shit. Am I fucked up? No, it's great. Keep it up. Keep it up. Ah, fuck. Am I I better now? No, I I think you were better before. Shit. I I can't tell if you're, like, fucking with me or if it might just be, like... I'm in a you I'm just, in another I'm in another room. It's no, you just have a high quality microphone. It's fucking great. Oh, oh, like from last. Yeah, yeah. Tell, you can never tell when it's a trick or not. Well, yeah, from uh, you know the the episode which was forgotten to time, which uh totally did not happen. Uh, <laughs> time warp episode. Yeah. The time warp episode. The community the community gas leak episode. Yeah. It was exactly. it was too good to see the light of day. That's what happened. Yeah, so basically, if you're wondering, yelling, uh, so. we recorded last week, and somehow everyone in completely different ways forgot to save it. So we went through a, a warp something and um, forty cannon lore, and uh, the bolter malfunctioned, the machine spirits uh, uh, reversed the Omnissiah. You know, Sam, Fuck if you just keep well. saying Technobabble, eventually you'll get there. Yeah, well, if I keep saying, I just say zero, 010 zero a bunch of times over, they'll... Somebody somewhere will get really mad. It yeah. sucks as well, because last week's episode, we'd actually synchronized it. And no one's going to believe this, I am entirely aware. But it actually syn- we synchronized, like, last week's episodes to Pink Floyd's, like, The Wall. Yeah. So- Oh yeah, and it worked out perfectly. It worked out perfectly. I did so much theory research as well. Oh yeah, we did a lot of theory research to discuss why GW bad. There is like Marx and um, Little Marx Jr. Uh, Wait, when did Marx show up? I missed that. We were talking about like a Grundrisse or something. I don't know. Like we we got proper into it. (laughs) Yeah, didn't GW... I feel like GW did something. I can't remember, and I own it. Well, well, they've released an animation, so therefore all is forgiven. Uh, we can go team, back yeah, and they, they put out Kill Team as well. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, they did actually put out Kill Team. And that shit robot, they put out that shit robot in like the big box with the, um, what do you call them? Yeah, the Grey Knights. I was going to try and think of a funny name oh, for the them, baby but I really couldn't. Wow. Yeah. More like the Dreadful Knight. Why don't we? Just, I think I think we should uh, we call change genres and go from you know attempting to be humorous to be just be like a sort of ASMR sleep time sort of podcast. Yes. on in the background, fall asleep to while you're painting. Yeah. I, I okay. would unironically put that on to fall asleep to. Well, yeah, okay. Just, this, that's kind of that's kind of narcissistic. Fa- trying to fall asleep to your own voice, just being like, oh yeah. Oh, well, I I, you could edit those parts out. I'll just... Yeah, I'm just going to edit you completely so out of this can episode. Sleep. If we talk in different accents from our own, then it won't sound like us when we play it back to ourselves. 
Oh, God, well, now, listen here. I don't idea. know exactly if I want to do uh, something different with <laughs> oh, my no. accent. I'm just going to roll like a D7 and just see what content I come up with. Oh, a God. D7? All right. Content. While while, she, while Amber is rolling, uh, let's all do oh, intros. No. So, you know me. I'm Danny. Hi. He, him. He, hi, him. He, hi, him. Uh, he, ho, is, ho, he, ho, chi, Minh, I don't know. I'm Amber, she, her. That, that's it? Yeah, it's just me, that, I just... That's I, all we I, get, I, okay. I, I put so much effort into mine, Amber just, I, Oh, know. fuck. Um, I'm Amber, she, her. Doing it twice, doubling up. Twice is nice. Can you like just like add like fuzz and like I don't know like reverb to my voice like echo? Yeah, or I'm something? gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it so that you have like two. Uh, there's like double. I'll give track. you a joke as well. What's the secret to great British comedy? Nothing. Time, timing. Dead. T oh. Timing. Oh. Wait. Okay. Now you gotta take that out and put it at the end of the episode. <laughs> the very last word. All right. I, you guys oh, are giving we, me. These episodes are becoming more and more complicated, and I'm here for it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I say I'm, I'm say I'm here for it, and then I'm like spending 20 hours editing a fucking episode to do some stupid oh, joke. For real? No, it does not take me 20 hours to edit. Well, it, so are you kidding me? To, oh, okay, that's 20 good. hours to do the uh, the synchronize with the the wall album. Yeah, like I said, now that now that we have Craig and stuff, I used to have to be able to sync them up on their own and like request it from people, and that slowed down production so much. <laughs> Oh God! All right, we got two more people to introduce. Go, go, go! Hello, I'm Zach. I be him, and once again, I am here to make sure we talk about Age of Sigmar. Yeah, Age of Sigmar 3.0. Yeah, now there's three of them to talk about. I know. Three times is. Although nice. we don't really talk about the first edition. Yeah. Dark times. Oh, wait, so, uh, I not introduce myself? So, Sam, what are your no. pronouns? Uh, Giaditch. I guess it's Ka... I guess it's Kak, a Kaerdlin Klui. Uh, I guess, uh... You can't speak against... Klingon on okay, this podcast. Okay, you're talking that in, like in Gaelic. That was, uh... That was in tongues. Uh, that was, uh, a, that was a purposely... Uh, just in case anyone listens to this and speaks Gaelic and tries to correct me. That was purposely bad grammar for hello and games workshop is a shit. <laughs> of course, I'm sure I'm sure the, the one other Gaelic listener will of course know it's actually take Herdlin Geoditch, I guess Kluikak. This is a hyper specific uh, joke. Is it is, is, is is Games Workshop like it can you say is it Games yeah. Workshop such a thing in Ireland that you can say it? Wow. Well, it's just workshop and games. So, Kaerdlin Cluey is Games Workshop. Well, you know, and, uh, of course, I prefer forget. to think that uh, British imperialism has gone so far as to insert uh, Games Workshop into the Gaelic language. And don't forget, as which is eat the rich. Mm. I am Sam, and Sam is me. The only Gaelic terms I know are Kamacha Black and Tans. Belkiarla? Yeah. Yeah, try, yeah, don't, I, try, yeah, don't attempt the don't accent. Try. 
I don't know how. I'm so sorry. Let's just cut no, that out. No, Imperialist no, pig. The thing yeah, is, no, I've only is heard Irish people say it, so I don't know how I'm meant to pronounce it. It is. You have to say it in old, like a West Belfast accent. Chucky are that. You have to say Chucky it. Oh my god. Oh god. That reminds so me of. It's so funny uh, that this doesn't sound like absolutely anything to me. Chucky are yeah. Um, I will. I will say this. This reminds me of a, a story my grandfather told me when uh, during the war, what they would do during the Dutch Resistance, would they they would have um, the code word would be eighty eight hot stoves. It was like Octen, uh, it was something. If you if you said if you said it in 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 uh, if you were German, you like could not say it because yet it it's a very Dutch thing to say. Yeah. So that's how they would find out if there was like spies or like whatnot. You had to use a code word, and like if you pronounced it wrong, they wouldn't. Oh, that's in. really cool. That would be really easy, considering Irish is missing like half the alphabet. So yeah, it's efficient. Uh, I mean, you know, look, alphabets are just constructions. Okay, you know, uh, if we go from like an Arabic point of view, uh, you know, we're missing like half half of the alphabet then. Perfect point of view. Little little uh, little history. That's a little history corner since we're not really talking about Warhammer anymore. Um, you know when Cromwell uh invaded Ireland and he rounded up a bunch of uh the Catholics they hated, uh, and sent them to indentured servitude. He sent so many uh Irish people in indentured servitude to the Caribbean plantations that like I mean if you ever if you've ever heard the Jamaican accent it is strongly irish i think some oh, that's cool order of the population is irish genetics kind of cool yep thanks cromwell again decent tank bad person i find myself yeah. saying that almost every day it's ridiculous <laughs> just cromwell really did a lot of stuff you know he blew everything up and uh that's uh, fucking funny yeah, I just I just find it funny where you like you stub your toe and you're like, God damn it, Cromwell. No, no, that one you blame the English for. <laughs> that's an yeah, that's an act of the English. All right, all right. Was now speaking, again? was that the 1400s or the 1600s? I can't quite remember. I remember he was like he was around one Six, of the Henrys, 16. right? You should know that isn't like a, all the English education system teaches. They don't teach Cromwell. They talk about like him. I don't know something about. He did, he did something around Protestantism, but they don't mention his exploits in Ireland. They don't um, mention the war yeah. crimes. Oh, whoa, really? <laughs> they don't. They yeah. just don't fucking mention Ireland at all. I wow. Spent, we spent in Irish in our in our um, class. We spent like a year debating whether or not Cromwell committed war crimes in Ireland. That was like an entire year of history. And the answer is probably. He um, definitely did. His whole plan was to like just literally, like kill everyone in Ireland. Right. Yeah. Well, and no, he killed no. a third of the people there at the time. Or something. All right. Uh, to, speaking of, of of Britain, uh, Games Workshop, we got a lot to talk about, so really? we can't really go on too much of a chance. How did they oppress uh, the Irish? Uh, by selling overpriced goods and destroying their animations. That's a class. And also trying to kill a third of the people in Ireland. Yeah, Games Workshop specifically. But um, basically, yeah, so uh, we're a little bit late to this subject because of technical issues and uh, vodka-related spillage issues on my computer, so I couldn't it's edit so it. vodka on your computer? It, it, it was, it was, it was so vodka based. and Arizona iced tea. 
That's so basic. That's fair. That gets better and better. <laughs> and well, no, no, it, it, it gets it gets even more base considering that I was like literally having gay sex while doing it. So you know, yeah. I love you so much. It's so good. <laughs> swag. The amount of swag. <laughs> you were having gay yeah. sex. And you did you try and mop it up with your Soviet flag? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, all I had was my trans flag around. Well, I mean, so, they're uh, mostly bless. polyester. I mean, anyone who's tried that before would know that just would not work. Yeah, that was a that was a bad night. Uh, you know, we got a little bit too too. We had a bit too much fun. I, I was oh, no. cleaning up my apartment, so I had to clean up uh, a little bit more after uh, that night. But you know, <laughs> because of all the case sex you were having. Yes, because of all the gay sex I was having. That's so based. All right. Um, actually, it was more because of all the vodka I was having. But anyways. Uh, oh, games Workshop. Everywhere. Yeah. That, that, because that was... of Games Workshop's business practices. Because I, 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 was, I was like, oh, man, Abu Faiza's getting t- is, is taking off TTS. I, I vomited everywhere. I'm sorry. Could you say his name is again, it, real quick? Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, is it Abu Faisa? Alpha Busa. Alpha Busa. He's not. Uh, this, is, this is this is embarrassing. <laughs> it's okay. It was all that vodka you were having. I swear he's like an Australian dude or something, right? He's just not Abu Faisa. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I thought he was like Arabic or something, but no, that's I, not true at all. You're so cool. To be fair, I also thought that like he had just like moved to the UK and got an accent when I first heard of his his name. Yeah. I thought he was just like key smashing like Alpha Bussy or something or like Alpha Busser. Yeah, he was really smashing know. that Alpha Bussy. I thought it was a 40. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I, I don't fucking know. I don't care enough about 40k to know if Alpha Busa is an actual character. <laughs> oh, God. Alright, anyways. Alpha Busa. Uh, TTS is, is gone. Rip. Um, at least in my opinion, I wasn't the biggest fan of TTS, but like still, I think uh, they did uh, a lot of good work in bringing people in and having a good... The biggest thing is they had a fun time with Warhammer. And like yeah. it seems like now recently everyone wants to be more serious or more uh at least games workshop thinks that that sells better for whatever reason. But like they brought a lot of people into the hobby and they were having a good time and it it seems like you know they said in their video they were like look I don't know what we're doing if it's legal or if it's technically illegal. It's probably legal actually, but um you know, it brought people into the hobby, and it brought people together, and it was something that people enjoyed. And I think that, you know, it makes sense. Like, the problem is also, uh, we're thinking about this from a fan's perspective. From Games Workshop's perspective, this kind of makes sense, in, in, in the sense that, in the sense that, you know, they're trying to in a stupid way, protect their IP. They think that, you know, someone else is getting a piece of the pie, so therefore, you know, if you want to have an endless growth of your system, you gotta go after these people eventually, which sort of gives you an antagonistic relationship with your customers, which is terrible. Um, and, like, you know, I mean, this is sort of the thing where it's, like, sort of starting to get into the encroachment of, well, you know, if I make a fan animation, if this is, like, a, a parody... Uh, 
and the company can just come in and, and say that no that's actually mine you know that's sort of like really undermining a copyright law like, like like and like sort of fair use because that's one of the major tenets of fair use if you start taking that away that you basically have nothing and then sort of we see sort of corporate power encroaching on that softly in this case because you know uh they decided to take down their stuff you know voluntarily but still this is sort of a projection of soft power that's a little bit concerning what we need is uh we need basically do what they did with pirate radio stations in the 60s we need some sort of floating server farm in international waters where we can just put all of this you know we can host um what's next letter after you w w tube you know, and or we reach out to Sealand. Well, well, yeah. well do, do what they did in the 60s. We find some eccentric uh, rich guy. We go to, up to him and you say, can I have a boat? And Isn't then that a bad they... look for us? Well, how else are you going to get a boat? All right, so what we do is we take we take, the, oh, we, 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 take, we take this boat, right? We go to Little St. James Island, okay? Now hear me out. How little? And... Yes. All right. I was, I was expecting a little bit more out of that joke. Kind of fell flat. Well, you know, we tried. No, uh, come on. Finish your joke. Finish your joke. What about, like, the natural? Oh, uh, there wasn't really an end to the joke. I was just going to make it up as we go along. All right. So we're, we're on St. James <laughs> That's Island. That's out of all my jokes. And it's tiny. It's a tiny island. What's next? Come on. Come on. Um, what's, what's next? I feel like it, we could fall back on the ASMR segment. Yeah, we could. Listen All right, but um, a, a soothing island ride. Yeah, a yeah, soothing island ride to, to Epstein's island. Oh God! <laughs> oh no, that's not. This isn't good territory. L- L- Little Saint James. By the way, if you don't know, Little Saint James Island is Epstein's island. That's that was the joke. Oh, oh okay. right. Well, how am I supposed? You're to you're asking that? us to to remember layers upon layers. I yeah, can't. I'm I'm just too big brained. I'm too busy looking up the GW stuff. You know, uh, that's true. Afghanistan, don't care what's going on there. Did you hear about that QAnon guy? Um, like, got like found out who it was. Like, he he got his identity docs because he kept like sending pictures of his like TV screen to people. So he saw his kids on there and then found him for his kids. It was like he has like four hundred thousand followers. Wait, holy shit, that's amazing! I did not. That's so dumb. I He's actually like legitimately did not hear that. Line of an episode of Red Dwarf. <laughs> They, Speaking like, of Red Dwarf, White Dwarf, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great yeah. Uh, I, I, it's like herding cats at this point. The second we get, you just immediately derail. But like, yeah, all it's... right, yeah, let's let's go back. All right, kind of looking right. at this like from like a materialistic angle. Like, we can always say like, well, you know, GW's made all this profit the last year because of COVID, and now they're trying to make even more. But like. That's sort of what capitalism does, and that's what these corporations do. If you were on like the board of directors or whatnot, and um, you basically said to them, "Well, you know, I think we made enough money," uh, they'd fucking kick you off because they want to make more money. Always, it's, it's never ending. Like they, they would literally do the thing where from Phineas and Ferb, where they pull the lever and get like drop you into a den of crocodiles or whatever. Are you all crazy? It's just a dead, stupid block of wood, and it doesn't do anything! I love it! What are we talking about? Just just so that they can have someone that says, yeah, I agree with you, I, what are we talking about? That's that's the whole plan, and that's the whole thing. That's sort of what they're thinking about. You gotta realize that, like, the people that you're interacting with like, on Warhammer Community, 
on like the website and on that are not the people calling the shots. The people that are calling the shots are like lawyers who have nothing to do with this stuff. Um, they're capitalists. executives, cap, yeah, capitalists, and you know people who are investors who are only seeing dollar signs. The enter street, them. ducks of the world. Yeah, Can they I don't like... enter the enter them. If you said, yeah, "Oh, if we allow these animations," yeah, if you say to them, "Oh, if we allow these animations in in, in you know, we'll slowly grow our fan base over five years," they say, "Fuck you! I want my money now." And then the, my money pool. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it's 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 like you know what you're saying that we're just going to let these people use our IP and then not make money off of it. No, we got to monetize it. So that's sort of what they've been doing, and sort of to get around different copyright laws, what they've been trying to do is sort of hire people and then do that, and that's sort of a gray area in, in a certain sense. And, and also, even then, we were talking about. Um, oh, go ahead, Amber. Go ahead. And I was just going to say, like, capitalists don't care about community. Like, you look back through the history of the Industrial Revolution, even before then, like, you know, getting rid of things like, um, just getting rid of, like, community-based organizing facets. Uh, it, it, that, that's, like, a key part of, like, how capitalism operates in every industry, in every sector. And your hobby is not, like, immune to that. So if you're, like, worried about, like, Games Workshop getting rid of its community, then, yeah. Like, the Warhammer community is, like, um, it's, like, a website now or something to them. And I think that's, like, kind of, you know, like, it says it all. It's kind of emblematic of what Games Workshop thinks about the community. Because to them, having a community that they are a part of is not what they want. They want a client-based. They want individuals to sell to. And that's not something that I'm like going to demonize them for, but that's just how capital works. That's the best and most efficient way to run a company. And in the long term, like all these business practices are going to work out for their favor because that's that's what happens. I mean, capitalism is all about endless growth and sure, you can't always have that. But this is a miniatures company that's like becoming increasingly popular. Like you can't. I was I was going to go off about like the whole thing I did last time about like how you can't criticize criticize capitalism with like its own moral standards because like first of all capitalists adhere to that more than anything and second of all you're essentially making like a profit slash incentive based like argument to yeah, a yeah, bunch you're, of capitalists. You're, you're but... assuming that everyone is you're falling into like the neoliberal trap that everyone does that everyone's homo economicus and they're all making rack per completely perfectly rational decisions when that's just not the case, you know. Even if like 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 you know we can make this case that like oh you know these people are executives or whatnot and it might be more rational to just let this stuff go up and build up a community and make money that way. Uh they're also older people and they don't understand the internet very well. So, like, they're not perfectly rational actors that we're sitting here trying to... You're trying to make this argument about rationality. It's like they don't understand that. They only understand money and short-term profits. And they see someone infringing upon their idea. And that's to them, is, is bad. And, of course, they don't, they don't necessarily care about infringing on other people's ideas. I mean, Sam made that abundantly clear. <laughs> uh, just the amount of stuff, like, like the Warhammer is really... Uh... Yeah, um... I mean, Warhammer in and of itself is like very based in um, uh, what is uh, Melville's. Um, well, I'm I'm thinking of Paradise Lost. There we go. A lot of like the Horus Heresy and stuff like that is like basically Paradise Lost. 
I mean, uh, well, that's what I was. I I was saying this. Uh, not well. I was. I didn't actually say this in the last episode, but I'm going to pretend I did. Um. The 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 original like I I went back and I read the original Rogue Trader. First of all, the original Rogue Trader absolutely riddled with spelling errors and like grammar mistakes. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but more importantly, uh, like I mean, it markets itself. And if you read the reviews from the time, the appeal of Warhammer or 40k originally was that it was literally all of the like you know all of these popular IPs, sci-fi, and even even the whole concept of mixing the sci-fi genre and the fantasy genre was basically uh, to create this you know sort of playground where you could uh, do anything. You know, it was to try and you know it's so it was literally designed around IP infringement, and it's one of the main reasons it became so popular. Yeah, I, I wanted to make make a point of this as well. I didn't make me make this on the last the 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 forgotten episode, which uh, we're. Oh, I think you did say it in the forgotten episode. I I think I. Oh I no no no! I was I was gonna make another point about I. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe we didn't. We have no way to prove it. It is uh, the exactly. uh, Schrodinger's episode is what we're going to call it now. Uh, it it, both it contained whatever it we wanted it to contain. Exactly. exactly. It contains everything and nothing. But I wanted mm -hmm. to say that like this is sort of um, it's almost like an it, there's it's been an enclosure uh, and commodification of just stories in general. I mean, if you look at Disney. Well, Disney Disney made a lot of their money by taking uh, you know stories from uh just folk tales from uh what was it what what was the brothers hans the, christian anderson yeah hans christian anderson brothers Grimm, whatnot taking them and commodifying them and making that ip their own like none of that stuff was their own they just made movies about it but they basically haven't closed upon it so like if i wanted to draw cinderella in that style i can't i even though cinderella is a you know there's a there there's it dates back like five thousand years or something like like there's there's Chinese version versions of the story that is like that uh that European stories are based off of. It's literally like the land enclosure act like that happened yes, as well. With that's the what I, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, like, exactly. I'm saying it's it's an enclosure of stories and stuff like that where it's like the, the IPs and sort of ideas are becoming commodified and i think that's a really the scariest thing about all of this is just that it's sort of a new frontier where it's like even your ideas and even your your um the stories that you like are now being commodified and sort of turned into whatever and and people the saddest thing is also people base a lot of their personalities and a lot of their community off of these ips so that they're sort of in an abusive relationship where james workshop can just do whatever they want but this is all a lot of people have. This is what people do for fun. And they have no choice, really, in a certain sense. Because Has anyone heard community. of Mackenzie Walk? I have not. If I may, she's a not very good, in my opinion, scholar. And she reads, writes a bit about, like, um, hackers and capital is dead. What's next? And she talks about vectoralism. But she's essentially talking about the, like, to reinterpret her work and bring it back down to earth. Because she's talking about capitalism dying and like something else being born, but um, she talks about this thing called like um, the vectors of information dispersal and like information itself being commodified now, and that's like not particularly um, you know striking, but it's kind of interesting in some ways. 
because um, that's sort of what's happening here, which is just like the same processes that have happened to everything else are now happening to ideas and information and the means by which we like come by information. And like, I think as well, like in the next couple of years, you're going to see like STL files being produced by Games Workshop when, you know, like 3D printing takes off too much. And also like, um, I mean, I don't know, will N NFTs have anything to do with that, do you reckon? Like... I, I don't think Games Workshop's no, going to do anything with NFTs, yeah. but like I think NFTs, they will. I think they're straight no, up going to put like NFTs and SDL that's be files. A no. Don't gonna... say this. I, well, the NFT all, the thing file... is dying out, I think. It's going to happen. It's in general. dying out. Oh, it's God. Like... ST, ST, are you no, saying the that NFT have... market, not crypto. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all say, the same thing. Are we going to put our SDL files on the fucking blockchain? Oh, my God. No. Don't do that, please. <laughs> it's gonna happen. You know, you know it's going every like society in general is going in a bad direction when the postmodernists are starting but to be accurate in their predictions. Yeah, it's literally nineteen forty eight. That's a little bit of sociological theory for you. Ah uh, yeah, that's some theory. Can we, can we talk about how the boycott is like a ridiculous concept? Just like <sighs> It's just, not gonna work. It's not gonna happen. Like there's just too many. First of all, it's not. It's not gonna affect profits enough. I don't think. I mean, people have already almost like forgotten about this. It's been like what a week. Yeah. It's been well, a month, I think. It yeah, pisses me month. off because it's just like people have these like sudden like reactions. Like I don't know. It's like uh, like cutting the swoosh out of your Nikes or like burning your coffee machine like maker or destroying like... your Keurig is the big one. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh my that's god! What I mean. Every go, go, so yeah. often I think about that fucking dude who lit all of his dark elves on fire. Like I. Or or oh. it's literally going into the Starbucks and saying, uh, "My name is Merry Christmas." Of a guy who tried to flush his oh fucking, my God, yeah. like, Gillette razor. <laughs> and, like, was just like, you know what, Gillette, no more money from me. Um, there was actually evidence that Gillette knew that there was going to be an outrage because of that. And they actually liked that because they knew the outrage would generate media and generate clicks and get people interested. So yeah, they're using, they're the using the outrage premise. is being commodified as well. Yeah, so that's that's the basic premise of, like, just don't fucking engage with any kind of advertising even if it's like terrible memes that you like screen cap you know you don't even link to the original post but just the act of screen capping it and memeing on a company not memeing properly is like its own form of of engagement with the well, it's, advertisement it's hard because it's nearly impossible because advertisements in every aspect of our fucking lives i mean i'm checking my email right now and there's fucking ads like uh, up top there's Holy an advertisement yeah. right here I think though that the the boycott, I mean, is of great use because it just it gets people it gets people thinking about alternatives to GW, which is something that very rarely happens because of how GW sort of pens people in. Like 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 Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, people sort of get introduced to manager gaming through GW, and they and GW design it. You know, they talk they talk about the hobby. They don't talk about miniature gaming anymore. Um, and they design it around keeping you in their box. Mm. So, uh, you know, predatory. the boycott, the boycott, getting people to actually look at other games, you know, like mm, Gaslands, uh, Turn of Wars Legion, One Page Rules, Legion yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's uh, Armada. I'm still making a list. It's, I feel like every other day I find a new exactly like company like to. 
to check out. It's, so it's, a, it's, it's exactly game. like D and D. You you know you go outside and you realize everyone and their mother has written a, a, an RPG, and it's great. It's brilliant. There's even free like ones. Free. The there's a Star Wars D and D five E exists, and it's Ooh, completely that's free. Awesome. And it, they they have a really nice website. It's completely free. Even though that like that's like in a very again a very legal gray area, but it gets people involved, and I have had a lot of fun with that, and it helps people yeah. with community. And you I, know maybe after I play that, I might go get some. But like the I think our biggest point is that if you're looking to, it depends on what you're doing with 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 a boycott, right? If you're looking to try to harm GW in any way, uh, boycott's not going to do anything. If you're looking to try to get into other things and try to find alternatives, I think that's a healthier way of going about it. Trying to do this as like a, a retribution the game's workshop is not going to work. What you should be doing is like, yeah, the biggest problem is also just like consumer choice in this in this sense uh, doesn't have a lot to do with. Uh, it's not going to affect the, the um, games workshop's decisions. It, it it really is a systemic problem that's just baked into how corporations and how capitalism works. And in order to solve like those intractable problems, you can't just make consumer decisions. You can do consumer decisions that necessarily... I don't think it's a bad thing to do the boycott. I think if you want to do it, go for it. But I don't think you should also shame people for not necessarily uh, doing it, if that makes sense. Because yeah. even then, We're choosing we're talking... to do it in a different... Like, I, I mean, shit, like... even buying secondhand is enough of like a, a consumer choice that... You know, somebody first in line did pay GW, but if those models have changed hands a couple times, then it's far enough removed from GW that, yeah, if if you engage in Warhammer simply by buying secondhand models or, like, overstock that, you know, uh, an individual or a local game store is trying to get rid of after a few years, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, and that's how I wish that more people engaged with GW itself. I mean, I there's no ethical consumption of capitalism. Is what I also think is that the boycott, another good thing about the boycott is just like every other time something like this happens in the creative industries, you know, uh, when CD Projekt Red says they're going to treat their employees like human beings or something. <laughs> when, when Vanity Fair uh, fires of... all their workers for trying to form a co-op. Yeah, or like it happened with BoJack Horseman as well. Um, what you call it? it? It's it's sort of it's that brief spark where everyone in the creative industry is like, "Oh, you finally see, right?" You know, er, you know, it's like, "Yes, it, you know, why are you surprised that these people are getting paid low wages?" That's how it is everywhere, you know. And oh, then, yeah. then the problem is, the problem is, is the people forget or they don't care really. It, it happens all the time in the games industry. They just don't give a shit if the game keeps yeah. Long, I mean coming out. You know, I was go continue. I was going to say like I was telling, I was saying about this like last time I think, but um, um, I think like one of the problems is like people like the boycott is a knee jerk reaction that's not only going to burn out, but it's going to use up all your like emotions in one go. And when you realize it's not doing anything, you're going to be frustrated, and you're just going to go back to Games Workshop in like a month. Like some people oh, might yeah. like look at alternatives. But, like, it's not being done for the right reasons, and it has, like, literally no thought behind it. Because, like, it's like no one's looking at you and seeing if you're following the boycott or not. So if you just start going back to it, like, no one cares. Like, you can I just do I'm, that. 
on a, on another on like an even higher level. I mean, like you really shouldn't be caring about what GW thinks. You know, you should be doing it for yourself. If you're, you know, you shouldn't, you know, trying you know other systems is great and all, but like trying to get back at GW, like you're in some sort of, like it, it just sort of speaks of this weird sort of parasocial relationship with a that's a great point actually company you can't hurt them they're not a real person you don't really want to piss culty. gw off just fucking make your own animation and if they tell you to take it down yeah. tell them fuck just off pirate, oh, fuck. pirate everything and just don't and, and just don't pay any attention don't care don't give a shit you guys want to do that cult thing i was talking about last time where i go through like the things that like constitute a cult and we decide oh, like yeah. how close to a cult games workshop is because i do yeah, have notes yeah, the, of that the, the, yeah I, would... I, I do think that that's actually could be very just, helpful just, which just is before we do i want to just clarify something because i did sort of contradict myself seemingly there when when i for example the games industry that i was talking about the response to that should be to pirate the games you know the developers aren't losing the money they get paid before the game comes out it's hell yeah exactly who are losing the money if it's not an indie game if it's not one of the like three workers collectives i think dead cells is the only one i can think off the top of my head pirated and uh, other than that, you can't affect these companies unless you're willing to do something a little more drastic in Minecraft. Um, <laughs> uh, I would unless, like to say that um, well, fuck, I, I, I lost just, it. Uh, all right, I'll just finish. Sorry, I lost it. You finish, finish. One last sentence. Oh. Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, it's... If, you know, take a page out of stoicism. If once you can't stop being able to affect what the company does or anything, you know, just pirate the game and forget about the company. I also Unless wanted to you say want to that do there something. Was... This is not an actionable threat, FBI. Home. Please do not. Yeah. Please do not. Wouldn't it be MI6? Or I said, well, I just, I just said, I just said it was a. Was, oh, what yeah. were you going to say? Sorry. I just said it was. A, this is not an actionable threat, FBI, yeah. but yes. whatever. Well, yeah, it's it's, not, an, it's a joint operation because this is a joint podcast. If it's not aimed at anyone specifically, can it be an actionable threat? That's fine. If, if you're if you're specifically threatening like a building or something like that, that's not aimed at anyone specifically. But it is an actionable threat. We just if I said I'm going action... to bomb this plane, but I said, well, yeah, I didn't I didn't threaten anyone specifically. I'm not going to bomb anything. I just want to have an explosive reaction. But yeah, anyway, just don't do that. This this is this is how we this is how we make sure that the podcast never becomes commodified by Games Workshop. Yeah. Just make tons of actionable <laughs> threats and get arrested. Ironically, can you like beep that out? I I might I might I might beep that out. Won't beep my stuff out though, because yeah, I mean, we could just I'm remove it all. Yeah, um, I'll probably I'll, I'll beep it out. It'll be funnier anyways. But um, I also I also sorry, wanted I... to say like there's this uh. Fucking, I don't know why I poisoned my brain with some of this, but like I was watching Art Warhammer say like, ah, oh, well the leftist the leftist want you to support Game Workshop and they want you to do all this. It's like, well, first of all, this podcast right now is proof positive that no, we're not doing that. Hell, I recommend you sculpt your own miniatures. Yeah, do that. Get I third mean, party miniatures. Get the fucking uh, make it get those cool space marine stuff. Yeah. They can't they can't stop you from getting that and then playing with their rules. They can't fucking stop you from doing that. Sure, you might not be able to do it at like a games workshop event, but like again, like who cares? Just don't go. Most there. of the yeah, I mean, most of the time it, it's like smaller communities. Anyway, I mean, I 
I engage with the game because I like building things and painting allows me to participate in some kind of art, even though I don't know how to draw. So like, you don't even have to use the GW rules and yeah, like, I, I don't know. Make up your own rules. Engaging with D&D. this hobby in a competitive way is just so bizarre oh, to me. Oh. Like, I just, I cannot grasp the concept of min-maxing that involves dropping, like, $150 every, like, however many months just to keep up with a meta. How many, like, how many of the GW original members have, you know, uh, Stillman, uh, Jarvis Johnson. I mean, the guy who's got you know the guy who's the guy uh, that you said was dead. Yes. Then Jarvis he died. Johnson, who just retired, and you're kind of <laughs> undercutting the From point life. here. <laughs> yeah, Jarvis Johnson, uh, who was like a main rules writer for pretty much uh, like all of you know the fantasy and the Age of Sigmar ones, right up in, real books, right up until now. He is on the record as saying that. Uh, ter- competitive playing ruins the game and points don't matter ignore them that's 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 one of the best things about like that i will say that's the one good thing games rock has done recently is, is is crusade and path to glory those those two things doing like more narrative stuff is always how the game should be played because it's for one um if comparing it to like a game that like magic the gathering magic the gathering is like very tight rules you can ban things very easily. You can make things very tight. You're never going to be able to do that with Games Workshop, just simply, or, or these miniatures, just simply because one, there's so many rules, and two, there's no. It's it's mostly random, anyways. You're just rolling dice at each other. Just go play craps. If you want to be competitive, just go play craps or blackjack. Um, go play black. Go, go and that way you can possibly win money back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like like, yeah, like just, oh, if yeah, you exactly. wanted to, if you uh, want, and it's it's probably just about as ethical to go play blackjack at like a mob owned casino than to go uh, buy yeah, miniatures. Yeah, buy plastic when miniatures. When I was fourteen, yeah. I used to play in the school league, and I'll tell you this: everybody cheated. It taught kids to be cheaters who like hated each other, like. I mean, oh, yeah. one guy in front of me, like, re-rolled his, like, uh, armor saves and got his teacher to, like, agree with him. Just, like, halfway through, like, the game, like, two turns out. And that kind of stuff was just normal. Like, oh, stealing an inch was, like... So, like, like... Like, this is the sort of thing that annoys me, where people want to min-max and, like, try to do the most competitive stuff. Sometimes, for me, sometimes the funnest part of the game... Like, I had a game the other day where um, my silent, I had the Silent King, and he was fucking kicking ass with some Drukhari, and he was taking names. And uh, I was getting ready to, there was a blob of Drukhari all around him, and I was getting ready to explode him, and uh, he moved him back a couple inches, and I was like, all right, so I'm going to roll for my explosion of my Silent King, right? I got like a three and lost the game because of that, and I found that to be like more fun and enjoyable because it was a very fun, like close game. And it just kind of ended up with RNG. I feel like sometimes that's like the fun of it, and you can sort of justify that in like a narrative campaign. But I don't. I don't think that like this is not a com- you know. You can min max it all you want, but you're just throwing dice around. You're playing no, crap. Never designed. Hell, it wasn't even really designed to be a miniatures role playing game. I mean, it was. Or sorry, it was mostly designed to be a miniatures role playing game. A keyword being role playing. I mean, you know, read the first, read Rogue Trader, but to segue into uh, Amber's cult stuff, I just wanted to say that in all of these creative industries, it's sort of, it's, it's, you know, it's in a lot of these businesses, but the creative industry especially goes 
sort of beyond just simple exploitation of labor. And it goes into this sort of bizarro mirrorverse uh, alienation theory where where it's the complete opposite where they are taking advantage of yours and everyone every other person who's waiting in line behind you to get that job's investment in this incredibly niche creative job you know and they know they know they can use you and they do and they will they you know the game and again to go back to the game industry because it's the one i have the most uh, the, i know the most people in is they will you know you get crunch. massive burn yeah massive crunch and it results in burnout and you end up people leaving after three years and never wanting to play never wanting to even play a game again because of that and it happens in every creative industry and it, it's definitely happening in gw i mean there was uh the, the guy that the, one of the, the people who sparked the whole thing um who he was talking about how they were encouraged to like come up with extra campaign rules during lunchtime and stuff like that and on their yeah. own time and and we I, I realized that for as a segue this is going on really long so I'm gonna cut this short but there was there's a very good couple of interviews on uh, or ask me anything's on Reddit about uh, an old Forge World sculptor and he was talking about how before he came up with the solar auxilla designs he did that all on his own time before he actually showed it to anyone um okay segue and wow. also yeah. they're really sexist like they they will deny maternity leave and things like that and that's not even like them trying to be sexist that's just the way that like there's just them trying to make more money and I don't think like Games Workshop fans even care about stuff like that anyway. Like, let's be real. I mean, and this That's, is sort of like yeah. I mean, this is sort of like a broader sort of scope of just like the rollback of labor rights under neoliberalism. Has I mean, this has been going on since the '80s and Thatcher and Reagan and aus the the beginning of austerity. And really, I mean, we're still like in the, in the middle of that. And like the problem is that like again, this sort of system um, with neoliberalism, the whole point is that you take a job, the job burns you out, and then you, you're like a shark. You, you'd never stop moving. You go to another job, that job takes advantage of you, beats you down, works you out, and then you go on to another job. And it, yeah. that's the sort of cycle that it, it's it, all the profit and all that excess, you know, all your like, it's like literally like, I mean, Mark said it best. It's literally like capitalism's a vampire. It's sucking you dry of like all your, even your creative spirits and to turn out this, this, this slop, this gruel to um, make people rich. And it doesn't, you know, it, it sort of goes against, everyone wants to say capitalism's like human nature, but this goes against human nature of wanting to be a part of something else and be artistic and be interest and, you know, have that sort of artistic expression. I think that's a very yeah. human yeah. thing. And I think that to commodify that and to say that people can't do this artistry because I own that artistry or whatnot, or I own that idea is, is ludicrous. And, and also as a world outside capitalism, just like as a side note, like capitalism There's is a mode of economic of thousands of years outside of cat. Like it just yeah. it pisses yeah. me off so much. It's like I mean, when people say it's like it's it's like hey, it like it's it's a current dominant mode of production, and that informs our values and like it encourages certain forms of behavior because that's just like you know like the way we interact with people. But like yeah, it's like you were saying. Well, actually, you know, primitive <laughs> hunter gatherers were capitalists, according to my mm -hmm. econ teacher. 
According uh, no, don't. <laughs> no, are you joking? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I've, I've just been. Well, I've been, first no. of all, I've been reading David Graeber's uh, debt the first five thousand years, and some of the people were. He was talking about how basically debt came about before money, and some of like the myths of like the barter economy that like never really existed. Yeah. They were but, matriarchal societies for like a very yeah, huge chunk of human society that people don't talk about. Oh yeah, I mean there was it's also like, stuff like, like um said. Okay, for, for most of human history, we were a pretty bitchin' hunter-gatherer, promiscuous horde, and then capitalism had to come along and ruin the whole thing. Thanks, capitalism. Well, it's like, uh, one, one of the like, most galaxy- I will say one of the most galaxy brain takes I have heard is, um, an alt-history- uh, alternate-history YouTuber once said and got into an argument in the comments about that Egypt was socialist- ancient Egypt was socialist because they had slaves. Mm -hmm. We don't have time to unpack yeah. all that. I'm yeah, just no. gonna jump on that cults. before. Yeah, we should. Okay. Take away like five minutes ago into that. <laughs> Holy shit! It's so, it was it, it like melted my brain. It was so funny seeing him defend it. He's like, well, you know, social. Basically, it was socialism has slavery. Uh, d d d oh, therefore, God, okay. uh, I care about the the effects of it, not the actual production. I was like, yeah, that's not how you do history, my dude. You call yourself, a and he was one of the. He he has like a hundred thousand subscribers, and he's talking about history to people. And he's just telling people lies. It's fucking terrible. He, he also talked about how the Ottoman Empire fell due to, and he said, most historians think the Ottoman Empire fell due to what a harem theory. And I'm like, no, no, the Ottoman what? Empire, no. Harem theory? They got their shit kicked in World War One. What's that? I can't. Well, no, oh well, harem, no. basically, the, 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 as someone who has studied under an Ottoman historian and uh, did my uh, undergraduate thesis on Ottoman history, uh, what he's talking about is basically he's just being Orientalist. He's saying that the Ottoman Empire fell because they were decadent and they had harems and they uh, uh, didn't uh, care enough for their like bureaucracy. And that's what he said. That's that's the claim. He said most historians uh, agree with that, which is just incorrect. That's most historians true. don't even like the idea of the Ottoman decline narrative that it was in decline for 400 years. It was much more complex oh. than that, and has to deal with a lot of nationalism and a lot of other stuff. But again, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Like, also, wasn't its like federalist model just not compatible with capitalism? Well, partially. And the biggest thing is they production. were losing a lot of. They they had to do a lot of tax reform because they were. Uh, there's a big difference between like an empire and a state. States tend to, mm. with their taxes, empires tend to make money and, and expand their tax base by just expanding. States do it by being having a bureaucracy and being a bit more efficient and sort of squeezing it out. Um, and sort of uh, when you have the Ottoman Empire, I mean, this happened to the British Empire as well. You had a lot of national... Um, revolts and stuff like that and that was really threatening their their tax base because they're an empire and so then uh, they try to do a bunch of reforms and they don't uh some of them work some of them don't but it really just kind of they get you know the the imperial model the current the imperial model of uh the 18th century was not compatible with 19th century capitalism yes i stopped listening for a minute am i in the right podcast I'm sorry, I was just being a huge nerd, uh, I just love that it. stuff, and I just, I was just getting angry about, uh, th I mean, this is, I feel like a conservative now, I'm just making up a person, and then, well, not even making up a person. I, I was gonna say, do you really, like, I don't, we don't really have to make up these people. 
unfortunately yeah that's that's the problem is that i i met this person and i was like baffled by it but just the phrase most historians agree is you know already you can tell that's someone who hasn't done their research yeah, I was like, I've I've met Ottoman historians. They 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 would they would they would hit you over the head with an Edward Said book if you told them that. Classic, what you call it? Classic historian kinding, where it goes from oh, it could be anything from one to a million. You don't know. <laughs> a, 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 a number of historians say this. Yeah. A. <laughs> All right, please. The cults talk about the All cult. Right, cool. Yeah. All right. All right. So... Let's get back to theory. Oh god, not really theory. I, th I thought it was going to be a mild comedy bit. Um, <laughs> what is theory but out... mild comedy, uh, True. except it's not very funny, I guess. I don't know. So, um, there's a dissertation that this dude called Steve Hassan did. Um, he, has, he did a dissertation on cults, just write like cults, Steve Hassan, you'll come up with it. You know, we'll just provide a link to it, actually. That's probably better. But essentially, his, um, he, he, it, it, he identifies four main ways that, like, um, well, I think he, like, he does this, but essentially there's four main ways that cults um, control people. And he also talks about the process and everything like this. And I'm not trying to imply that Gaze Workshop is literally a cult. But um, if you look at the, like, intersection of, like, economic theory and um, psychiatry, etc., um, then you start to see, like... Um, you know, like the way that a lot of companies do base their um, economic, um, well, their like consumer policies and their uh, market strategies. It, it has a lot to do with how cults like operate and work. So it's actually quite like useful when you're getting to like, say like um, a hobby or even like if you're getting in, like trying to make like business dishes decisions or like trying to see what insurance you're going for. Like just thinking about like, how they treat their customers and whether you want to get involved with that. And also, like, um, I did research on this because essentially for, like, a student group I'm with, um, I was doing, like, a whole thing about, like, which, like, political organizations should you get involved with. And then I was just like, well, if they exhibit any of this, they're probably not definitely a cult, but um, they're probably going to do things that you shouldn't get involved with. Like, the Socialist Workers' Party in the UK is extremely culty and you shouldn't get involved with them. Um, and also, like, um, there are some other organizations that sometimes tend towards that. Um, are you telling me that Juche is a cult? God damn it. God, yeah. Also, Marxist-Leninist groups, all of them in the UK are cults. Like, I, it, that, very culty. That, that does um, not surprise me, honestly. There's a lot of, you know. But, like, with, like, economic things, like, economic things, companies, um, well-known economic things, um... Anyway, so like it's a bite model of um, control. So the first, like uh, the B stands for behavior, the I stands for information, the T stands for thought, and the E stands for emotion. These are the different aspects of what you do that they control. Um, so I don't like, for example, behavior. Does Games Workshop control like the behavior of its like um, customers? Kind of. I think so, like, the way yeah. the sort of language they use when they're, like, marketing to people, or even in White Dwarf. Um, it's it's kind of like that, right? This is an open Sorry, question. Sorry, oh, that wasn't rhetorical? I mean, I think I think, I think think it is it is kind of like that. Like, we can talk about, like, 
as far as like purchasing habits, yeah, they definitely do influence behavior quite a bit. Oh hell yeah. yeah. Especially with the pre orders. Pre orders, well, I mean, launch boxes, especially I mean, now. Even on the physical side, all you have to do is walk into an actual games workshop and like, you know, they you know, out of nowhere, like uh fault you know, faulty tires, they just sort of like appear right in front of you and they ask you what army they did. And I don't know if they do it anymore because I haven't been inside of a games workshop since I think they definitely do, if I'm honest. But, uh, they, they definitely they do, suggest, and I do. They will suggest to you the most expensive item in your army. Oh, so uh, just before we uh, move on. <laughs> but they're trained to do that. I, I want to say that this is not, um, you know, we, we don't really want to shit on the, too much on the workers here. But like, you know, that's yeah. sort of, yeah. you know, that's a, de yeah. a deliberate decision by management to to train them to do that. I just wanted to add. They also uh, try to, sorry, you first. Uh, Amber's uh, suggestion of that to uh, the making of the Mooney by... The making of a Mooney by Eileen Barker is also a Odd. very famous and very good sociological uh, book about cults. It's very, it's about the same thing mostly. So, thanks. That's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, right, we have theory and I. I've got a slide because I I did a PowerPoint presentation on this. So yeah. I've got a slide on. Um, I've we're, actually got we're, a slide we're on now, the uh, Well, there's your problem. We now oh, have slides. Oh, God, we could do that. Why don't we start doing that? I would love to do that, actually. But that means we'd have to write notes for the episode. We, would. we could just rip off, well, there's your problem. I mean, I've got enough free right. time at work to, like, uh, kind of write this. stuff down and collate, like, news. I will I say this idea. idea. Let's fucking do this. Idea for the pod. Uh, we get in contact with uh, Where There's Your Problem, and we taught we had we do Where There's Your Problem Games Workshop. Easy. Let's do it. I mean, we actually already have had Riley from Trash Future on the podcast before. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, that's funny as hell. I got connection. Riley, well, literally though? when we were like this. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to say this one. Riley, it was the funniest thing because. Uh, Riley, uh, literally, we were like the smallest thing, and how I found out about Trash Future was because Riley came on the pod because he was like, "There's a Warhammer leftist pod. I gotta be on it." Games Workshop <laughs> would be really good for a well there's we're here from episode. Sure. Um. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So the I stands for information. For before we go into I, um, also like after four methods of control, I want to talk a bit about like undue influence and what what constitutes it, if that's okay. Mm. Um. But in terms of behavior, they also like kind of like it's part of it is like trying to control what sort of behavior you can exhibit, um, especially like in terms of like, I mean, I guess you can't really comment on them, but um, in terms of like the sort of behavior you do exhibit, like that they do try and get you caught in this cycle of like being angry of Games Workshop and then wanting Games Workshop again, which is like kind of like like an abusive spiral almost. Because, like, they do something shitty, and then they do something good straight afterwards, which is just, like, I mean, again, like, a lot of this is just basic marketing. So it's just, you have to, like, ask yourself, what is Games Workshop doing that other companies aren't doing? But, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, the quality of the miniatures definitely is something that keeps people coming back. I know, at least for me, for the the Age of Sigmar lore, I do like a lot of the new and like fresh ideas that they've put into it. Um, but I lament the fact that it's all tied to GW and yeah. their yeah, views honestly. on 
copyright law. I mean, that's like my sort of thing is just like I my my most fun I've had with Warhammer is coming up with like lore for my armies and stuff and like justifying stuff and like I'll buy a model or something like that and then I'll like use lore to justify it because I find that to be kind of interesting and fun and from like a writing perspective. But again, I, sort of the sad because... thing about that is that all that effort is you know locked behind like a games workshop copyright and if i want yeah. to try to make any sort of story or anything i really can't it kind of goes into the eye of like information of like the bite model though as well like information which is they try and control what sort of information you can receive and at least i feel like it does because it's sort of like um they're trying to like push this competitive match play thing at the same time as they're trying to like um, push the idea that, like, the hobby that you were saying earlier, like, they call it the hobby as opposed to, like, wargaming, yeah. the Games yeah. Workshop hobby. And I will say also, um, I'm even looking at my, at um, some of uh, this stuff. And you were saying last week that uh, one of the ways they do this is, like, with all their kit bashes and stuff, it's all Games Workshop material or, like, a little bit of green stuff. It's not mm -hmm. any yeah. third-party miniature stuff. They make a very explicit point to not do that and again sort of like that's i mean that makes sense if you're if you're a company but also at the same time it sort of limits people's ideas and scope of what i can do and what i cannot do for a miniature like it's like oh some people might be like well i want to have this head but i can't play it. i can't have this head if i want i want to play at a games workshop thing even if they don't play at it it, it does affect them and it, i mean it's affected me before where i'm like oh well you know i could get like this like third party thing but i I guess I can't really play it at that. I don't even play at a work games workshop store. I, I, that's what I say to myself. I'm like, what am I thinking? Yeah. So what's T? T is thoughts. I don't think they try and control what sort of thoughts you're allowed to think um, well, too much. This is literally Animal Farm. I, I don't think that that's a GW issue. Like with the new copyright rules, you have all the people defending them, but that's more of just this wider societal issue of capitalism and you know the the way copyright the economic forces yeah like just creating their own defenses through yeah propagandizing people he is emotion um i don't think like this bite model has a lot of um to actually give us but i think the undue influence the four common criteria um, but I sort of like selected out of like a bunch of different um, sources that Hassan talks about is kind of important if I can transition over to that real quick. Uh, well, you know, does Hassan talk about uh, his new house? <laughs> what? That oh, did you not hear about his the... family? This is uh, this is like some of the dumbest shit. OK, so basically people are mad that Hassan Piker, famous Twitch streamer, bought a house for his family. I dare he. Uh, yeah, because hey. socialists aren't don't should not have money. That's That's dumb. Dumb. It's literally the Vuvuzela argument. Interesting. <laughs> it's not like he's charging his family rent or something like that. That would be shitty. <laughs> he charges his mom rent. The four common criteria, by the way. Oh. Uh, the first one is vulnerability. So, in order for something to like count as undue influence, like over someone's personal lives, the first one, um, first criteria tends to be vulnerability. So, does Games Workshop go for like vulnerable individuals? Yes. No. I would say. Oh. I would say no. I would say yes because they there is a very big focus on getting like teenage 
kids. Yeah. I would. I guess we could say I, I, teenage I, I would, boys. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even say kids. Like a lot of games workshop clientele, this is like the only community and social interaction that they have because their lives are so atomized. And this is sort of the thing you can only engage. This is a sort of thing. I, you know, it's a bit more systemic than this, where it's like the only way you can really engage in any sort of community is through like a corporate product. It's through playing Magic the Gathering. It's through all all this other stuff rather than just actual social interaction. So therefore, that social interaction becomes tied to a product. And that My is uh, like, uh, sorry. So just before we move so on, uh, I would also say that because uh, I just remember this from the last episode. Uh, like I was saying before, I remember uh, right eighth edition Warhammer Fantasy. They probably still do it now. Uh, my Games Workshop, my local one, uh, have this sort of thing aimed at tweens or whatever to teach them, quote unquote, teach them the rules of the games over a couple of weeks. And they still have that, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, the problem is, is that. They, you know, they, you know, you start out and it's, you know, you want to learn movement. Oh, well, you'll need to buy a unit of clan rats. And then next week we're going to be learning about monsters. So you need to buy a monster. And then the next week you need to buy a, you know, a, a cannon. And then, you know, and it, it builds up like that. And it's sort of uh, presented under the guise of, oh, well, you're, you know, building up your own army. But, you know, you're kind of also, it's also the fact that it's at, it's uh, focused uh, towards these sort of tweens and like you say vulnerable sort of lonely uh potentially people uh, you know well i mean I also into a lot of parents divorced so well yeah yeah know. i was also saying lonely the neurodivergent as well there's a lot of neurodivergent especially people. neurodivergent people yeah. and also my friends um my my friend does a lot of scout work and he was telling me, he was quite excited about it and thought it was kind of cool. But I was just like, ooh, well, I know too much about Games Workshop. Be excited for this. Um, he does, like, scouts. And for, like, um, Games Workshop, I think, provided a bunch of, like, Indominus, like, starter kits for, like, um, for, like the scout group, which is kind of cool because, like, the kids get, yeah. like, the boxes and stuff. But at the same time, um, it was I think it was specifically for, like, kids who were, like, underprivileged or, like, poor. Um, so he... You know, like, um, they're kind of giving, like, um, quote-unquote, a plastic crack addiction to kids who can't really afford that. The CIA distributing uh, crack amongst, uh, Af plastic crack amongst African-American communities. God, it's dark. Um, I don't know about that one. I don't know yeah, about that one. That. Uh, <laughs> Maybe for the best. Yeah, um... um I was uh, I was gonna say actually I think I made this joke on the the, the forgotten episode that's like uh, Tim Heidecker saying that he wanted to give a, a bunch of laptops to underprivileged kids so they could make like dubstep beats on them like as I oh mean that, that, that and that's like the funny sort of like that's a, like a you know that's a parody and that's sort of this is exactly what it's parodying like like, like corporations I mean literally like if we look at like um I mean. Even even this more banal version of it, I was thinking of the whole Nestle scandal where uh, Nestle oh, yeah. uh, got a lot of people with, you know, got a lot of people killed because they kept trying to push their their uh, breast milk supplement and, in areas where uh, clean drinking water wasn't really available that was needed for it. So, but that's Jesus sort of that Christ. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the eye is the influences like. Um, it's not the I, this is not an acronym. If it was an acronym, it would be RIAB. Um, so, like, the other criteria tends to be the influence's authority or the dependency of relationship. 
Um, and I think that's like kind of important as well. Um, like that's like a common criteria of like most like, um, you know, is was undue influence used um, schematics that sociologists trying to like put together. So I basically just like summarize like from like a bunch of like the common points from like a bunch of different like um, schematics. But basically like the idea of like, um, is is the relationship between like the, I guess the producer and the consumer, one that um, involves authority and the sense of dependency, and I think um, with Games Workshop fans, absolutely, like absolutely, especially because of like the, um, like you were saying, like because like a lot of like Games Workshop fans are quite dependent. Um, on Games Workshop for their social interaction, a lot of them are neurodivergent. For a lot of them, going down to the game store is like one of the only ways they can like interact with people. Um, so, you know, when that's like added to the mix, and there's a very like um, dependent relationship that sort of gets like built up. Um, I remember like when I was young and I didn't quite like know how things worked. Um, I don't think I'm neurodivergent, by the way. I'm just saying, like, generally, I was just kind of depressed when I was a kid. Um, I would go into a games workshop and I would feel like, hey, this is a place where I kind of belong. Just because, like, it's just a bunch of nerds and, you know, you're not... It's like a different kind of atmosphere. It's just, like, people rolling dice and painting things. Like, it's just, like... Um, but, like, that's the sort of thing they kind of, like, want a lot of the time. Um, but, anyway... Um, in terms of like the authority of the influences, like authority of the dependency of a relationship, I think like an important thing to sort of like um, consider. Well, I forgot what I was going to say because I said so many fancy words. But Games Workshop does have like an authority over a lot of its like um, like consumers, seemingly, especially like the way they run their tournaments and things like that. Um, but also like in the way that like they can ostracize like people very easily from the community or like um they have like a lot like especially with like a lot of its like employees the way that they like try and say like you know like if you want to be a part of games workshop well you're gonna have to uh like you were saying like put in hours in your lunch or put in like a lot of your off hours um like I there's know, like a lot of like if you want to be a part of this project there is also uh, to, to add to that um just in the middle there uh the the guy i was talking about who talked about the, the uh making up rules in your office hours all right this may have been someone else and i think actually quite a few people have mentioned this but you're sort of expected to you know like do something like for example stay late to play tests or just play general games with the office you know you're expected to play warhammer and keep up with the army and everything and you know something like that would be very difficult to do if you say had a newborn or any sort of family, or just a life outside of the office. You know, that reminds me a lot story, of like a company. Can you believe the story almost. of insane theory that uh, when you stop getting paid to work, you should go home. You know, and stop but, working. Uh, yeah, exactly. The story of insane theory that you should just leave at five o'clock. Anyway, but I think also going back to sort of like even talking a lot about like sort of like how Games Workshop is really. Games Workshop's biggest innovation is having proprietary miniatures to go along with a rule set. Before this, I mean, war, wargaming has existed since literally Prussian generals were doing it in, in the 1800s. It has a really, really rich history. Games Workshop and sort of like this new corporate model has really 
change the game in that sense. Because again, there are still like plenty of rule sets out there that like don't have proprietary models. Great one is bolt action. A lot of them are more history focused and and stuff like that. And they sort of just use. They're just like yeah, use whatever miniatures. There's um. Little War, Little Wars TV has their own rule set, Age of Hannibal, for uh, you know doing Roman time stuff. And they, I mean, they don't sell any miniatures. They're just a YouTube channel, and they just make rules. That was the way it was done for the longest time. And now you sort of see like people are starting to realize, oh wait, I can get extra money if I get people to only use my miniatures for this game that I also sell the rules for. So they're kind of getting you come and going. It's almost like, a, a, again, sort of an enclosure and a, a capture of all aspects of a hobby or just an enjoyable thing. I would also like to add uh, all of the lore and, like, novelizations and stuff. Like, that's a huge part of how they're able to enclose everything. Because, like, oh, I can get the models, the rules, and read about these dudes that I'm painting awesome I don't have to go anywhere else yeah it's definitely definitely fits into that what uh, Amber's talking about I think yeah I yeah. think I think that's a good that's a good way of analyzing it I, I do want I'm sorry, I want to stress just real quick again, like, this is, like, also used to, like, identify, like, serious actual cults. So we are drawing similarities in terms of, like, consumer control, but at the same time, it's it's worth, like, reiterating that, um, you know, like, take us with, like, a pinch of salt, because we're not, first of all, saying Games Workshop are absolutely definitely a cult or anything, and secondly... This isn't Scientology, this isn't, like, 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 you I know... I am willing yeah. to say that, though. <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion, GW is a hundred percent a cult. Sam, 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 in the background, being the Hans Molman, being like, I was saying yeah. it was a cult. I <laughs> think they are. I agree with Sam. I, I think they are trying to get to that point because with Warhammer Plus and the animations and everything, it does feel like uh, they're trying to close to you off, right? Marvelize it, if to use that I, word. I, I, and I mean, the them selling the, the comics to Marvel is like okay. Have you seen the intro to the? They just today uh, released the, the the. I have not. The Hammer and Boulder. The the intro to it. Watch the intro. Everyone should go listening. Let's go watch the intro. It is you. You see that, and you will instantly realize. Yeah, they're one hundred percent trying to be Disney. Like they're not even pretending. Yeah. I, I will say, mean? yeah, that, and I do think that they they are trying to be Disney, especially with like IP law and, and stuff like that. If we want to talk about Disney and IP law, is a whole other thing. We already discussed Disney and IP law even earlier in the show, but like, yeah. And I also wanted to say, uh, to be a little bit fair, um, this isn't like an MLM thing. If you want to really talk about like cults and capitalism, like the 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 er cults are like MLMs. I think that like Games Workshop is a step sure. is, is still bad, but a step down from that. And I think that we should draw distinctions. We should, you know, uh, you know, we don't want to say sit here and say Games Workshop is a cult. Uh, you know, we should just all, all, you know, do every Warhammer fan's uh, favorite thing of just shitting on Games Workshop. We do want to say that like there's degrees of awfulness to this. That you know, James Games Workshop is not going to do, you know, a, a Jonestown. They're not uh, the Branch Davidians. They're not like uh, the fucking. They're not even Scientologies or even even MLM, but they are sort of bad in their own way. And I think it's important to precisely and accurately describe the problems and sort of the predatory nature of 
different companies. Yeah. Um, the there's another two points if I if we can like just really rattle through those just for the sake of like um, academic integrity. <laughs> uh, oh, you were serious? Oh, no, not academic integrity, but just like um, there's just like actions used and with what disp disposition, which is kind of important because like a lot of cults like um, try and like. Well, it's like what sort of actions they do use is actually kind of important here as well. Like that's like one of the main signifiers as well. Like, um, um, anyway, um, like what do they try and um, do? Like what, what, what are they like? Um, like a lot of them try and like use, ugh. you know, let's just cut this bit out. Um, my notes aren't good enough. Um, but the next thing, like, I do want to talk about is, like, um, the benefit of the influencer and the loss of a victim in terms of, like, um, the influencer has to, like, try and gain something from it. And obviously that's really clear when it's, like, it's like a market relationship, but also it's not very reciprocal because you're not gaining as much as you think you are. A lot of the time, like, you're you're not, like, that Games Workshop, like, products, sometimes they're quite good, right? But sometimes it's just a straight-up scam. Fine cast, yeah. fine cast, fine cast. First fine city. Cast. Like the idea First is city to actually wasn't buy it. terrible, but I mean, I don't know. Just the fact that they've never mentioned anything afterwards, uh, and That's then apparently there are still publications in the White Dwarf about it. Yep. So while the company is saying absolutely nothing, they are selling magazines that talk about Curse City. And to do the uncool thing, I will say that uh, the White Dwarf is like 12 months. There's like a 12-month lag for in White Dwarf publication, so they couldn't really stop that train. They no, I know. Free. Yeah. So I think Which just... I I don't that that to me means that they should have addressed Curse City even more because they can't yeah. stop those White Dwarf uh you know, they can't stop those white dwarf months from releasing. But I think that's just more like an issue with communication. I think what we're, we're I think what I what I was more thinking of at the very least, I don't know if Amber was, was thinking of this, but uh I was more thinking of the fact that like, you know, uh resin is cheaper to make, but they make it more expensive just because it was like a new thing that they came out with. Yeah. Oh shit, okay. I didn't realize I thought the, the prices were just GW price. That was a selling point that they give when they were switching to Finecast. They all they said to everyone it's going to be cheaper. And then they Oh my god. Prices. You know. Also uh, like just I just remembered. Have you ever seen like any of those YouTube videos that you know like Warhammer YouTubers make when they're like trying to criticize Games Workshop? And they're like Games Workshop, I love you guys, but this can't you see you're hurting the fans? And it's just like this like pathetic yeah. attempt to like, you know, like suck up to Games Workshop. Well, I, I think that we should. I mean, the, yeah. the issue is is that they're treating them like it's just like a friend, and I, and you got to realize, these yeah, and friends. it's not. It's and the parasocial shit. Yeah, friend. I don't. I I don't want to get too hard on them because I think they're coming from a good place. I think some of these people are coming from a good place, and they. This is again. This is the problem. This is sort of like the enclosure of like people's personalities are now based around a corporate IP, which is always a bad idea. But this is all they have, so I'm not going to necessarily, uh, you know, get too angry about that. But again, they're going about it the wrong way. These people aren't your friends. 
These people yeah, I, don't care I'd about like you. To, like if, to, if 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 I could give the Games Workshop, I don't know, a billion dollars and tell them uh, burn every wipe everything of Warhammer off the internet, they would do it in an instant. They don't care. Yeah. I, I the, sorry, but it's just you first. Like, thanks. Uh, I was, I, I'm going to pretend like I wasn't just going to keep talking. Um, <laughs> like, I, GW, I, I feel like a lot of people have this uh, new image of uh, GW after post um, 40k and times. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, post, you know, like 6th edition or whatever, when everyone's like, oh, GW really turned it around, they got a new CEO, and it encouraged a lot of that parasocial relationship to start creeping back into, you know, old grognards and, you know, and then with people, new people as well. And like, that was really the, that was, I think, the start of the, like, you know, re to, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, GW Renaissance which got like you know increased their popularity to this whole new level um and the thing is is that what a lot of people don't realize is that in let's rewind back to when this when this started and what was happening was gw were starting to lose money to warmer hordes which was a if you haven't heard of it is a was a different miniature game by privateer press that was actually for once starting to show real competition with GW and that that is the reason why they got worried and that that's why they did this sudden 360 you know and if honestly if former hordes hadn't uh really dropped the ball with third edition they might still be a serious competitor for GW but everything worked out again for them so now GW's the you know, big fish, little pond again. Yeah, they have, uh, they have the what's it called, the markets, market share to make mistakes, unlike yeah, other companies. Exactly. But uh, the whole point of this is, is that GW is not your friend, and they didn't turn everything around for the sake of the fandom or anything. I mean, just if you want an example of that, look how many of the old guard are actually still a GW bolt action that we were talking about earlier. That's Rick Price, Rick Priestley, you know, the GW guy. He left years ago to go work on that stuff. The Perry brothers, uh, Andy Chambers, Jer well, Jervis Johnson retired, but still, you know, all these guys, all you know, go look it up. All these guys left GW, you know, mostly a lot of them like decades ago to go work on stuff. The GW, like the GW dropped because it wasn't selling well. Like, you know, Perry brothers and Rick Priestley and all those, they went to work on historical games because GW dropped Warhammer Historical because it wasn't doing well. Warhammer it's Historical? To... Is that a thing? Oh yeah, it was a thing. It was, well, it's exactly what it sounded like. That's huh. why the, all the Perry Brothers, that's why the Perry Brothers, they're, you know, what they all, their skulls What What's what really going to scare me is gotcha. eventually you're going to have, uh... oh God, I can't imagine in 30 years if fucking like Lockheed Martin tries to like uh, I don't know. Make make miniature. <laughs> well, they they copyright their thing. Y'all keep speaking this evil into the world. You <laughs> can't keep doing this. I, I look. I I I have the gift of foresight. I can't do this. I I am literally the seer. I see into the future. But like that's sort of where we're going. Is like you know what's the next what's the next step? Oh, we copyright historical things. Uh, I'm gonna copyright Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, 
yeah. fuck you. <laughs> and it's even easier for stuff like like I said. The reason why I said Lockheed Martin is just like you. The Lockheed Martin's like, all right, we're gonna copyright the F thirty five. You want to make an F thirty five model, and you gotta go through us. Yeah. <laughs> even though it's just it's just a historical thing. Uh, like 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 uh, it's just so it's so weird and annoying. I think that's also a reason that a lot of them left to go work on historical miniatures is that there's just no copyright issues there at all, you know. The paper, you know. The, oh yeah, because you just you can't you. It's not. Yeah, you, I can't, copyrightable. I can't, I can't. I can't copyright uh the British uniform from the 18th century. Although, like I said, in the future it remains to be seen. That is like the darkest timeline. Also, uh, just to add this in, because it's also something that gets glossed over a lot, the Perry Brothers, the Bretonia, which, you know, if you look back on it, might realize it's basically just historical managers shoved into Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, yeah, that, people... was like their, that was like their child, so when they left, that's why Bretonia, you know, fell to the wayside. People really don't like when you point that out, that, that Fantasy Bretonia, or Warhammer Fantasy Bretonia is, like, literally just historical miniatures transposed into a fantasy yeah. war game. Yeah, they're not even like they're they're <laughs> they not really don't even, like that. Well, yeah, but I know that for certain people for one, uh a lot of people like that's how they get people from historical hobby in there cuz they're like, "Oh, I like the Bretonians cuz they're the what is it, the Landsverk from basically basically the Landsverk from Germany." Yeah. Even though they're a mix of like for, even though like their lore is like a mix of Britain, British and French. It's it's it doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, if, you go, if you go, just to, I know I keep going on and on, but if you go back to the very beginning, I mean, the transfer into Warhammer Fantasy and into 40k, before that, it was just historical gaming. That was like the, you know, that even that was yeah. kind of new at the time. So, I mean, the, you know, all of the old, all the people who made the actual finders were coming from a time when it was just historical gaming. Peter Cushing played, played historical gaming. He did, yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. Also, okay. like, um, just like complete, like, side note, complete tangent. The Tyranids are, you know, literally like a mix of H.R. Geiger and H.R. Geiger's work on Alien, and I don't oh, yeah. think they've really expanded beyond that. Like, well, they've expanded has. into uh, um, getting the pop culture reference of the bugs from. to fucking like what you call it yeah but they tried to like you know like uh, what do you call it copyright that it's just kind of insane like it's crazy that they can do this again like and, and we have to also realize like the basis of all art is basically just copying other people that's a, yeah, a huge I'll, problem yeah, with that. copyright law it just art is all about contextualizing stuff and recontextualizing stuff yeah. there that's is the, no like... such thing as like something that's purely pure that's why one of the really scary things is, um, ah, what was it? There was a there was a really stupid lawsuit that ended up they won, where they said that um, Marvin, what was it? Marvin Gaye's estate sued uh, for "Happy" that song, and they basically said that because uh, be they basically said because it's written in in in, in uh, D minor and uh, Marvin Gaye's song is written in D minor, they're basically the same and it's a derivative song, yeah. and the court took that. As, Which is um, fucking insane. It is yeah. that is like dystopian, stupid. If you know anything about music theory, 
and you know anything about that, most lawyers even agree that that was a bad move. But like, it just it opens the doors for so much bad stuff because you, I can just say anything's copyrighted. Yeah. I can say oh, this, this this is yours. Oh no, this is mine, and there's any, nothing you can I mean, do about like, it. Yeah, I have more money. Artist, any artist will tell you that. Uh, I mean, we cheat constantly and we copy everything. It's pretty much the only rule in art, to be honest. You know it. You know it's uh, as long as it comes out. You know, it's all that matters is really the end result. So that's mm. kind of why I got into 40k. The fact that there is no, you know, like you can just do whatever you want in it, and that's like a yeah. valid thing to do. But like the support that, like, they're trying, you can see their push their IPs and all their codexes. Like, with like the the Space Marine codex, I guess, is a little bit better because they give you rules of making your own, like, custom chapter. Um, the, yeah, but... they do. I was going to say with like warbands in Chaos Space Marines Codex, like you can't do that. Like you have to play one of their warbands or one of the like legions that they give you. There's like no wriggle room to actually come up with your own, with your own shit. You do, you can warbands. do Correct, few dynasties yeah. in Necrons, but I think that they are ch- trying to change that, which is a good thing. But also, it's kind of like it's just hard because like you know this is sort of the thing that like, copyright law really is not does not understand. I mean, it, it, already it's been, it was basically outdated by the time it was put in in, in 2000. Yeah. And now it's real, like, IPs and stuff like that, like, like, like intellectual property. It, it, IP, like, the problem is right now is, like, even the stuff that it says that it's going to defend against, it just doesn't. Because if you look at, like, DMCA stuff on YouTube and, like, stuff like fair use, the issue is, is if I have more money... I can make false claims against you, and then, you know, if I end yep. up losing, I'll eat the fine and do whatever. But if you're a small creator, I can screw you. Even if you win, you lose. And was that it, is the biggest problem with just, like, court systems and whatnot. Was it here that, that we were talking about how... Uh, no, I guess I, I was reading an, an article about how... I think it was Blizzard sued some small company, and... Activision Blizzard lost, but the company still went under because they had to pay so many legal fees. I mean, GW's yeah. done that. They, yeah. You know, they've done it several times, actually, at this point. But, I, I mean, it's probably something that companies just fucking do because they can. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, hang on. We've done the fourth point yet before I go, because this is a completely different topic. Oh, I want to do a fourth point, then. That's yeah, okay. yeah, we do, we do kind of want to wrap it up here in a little bit. I, I want to say, like, I think we're having a good discussion. It was kind of cool, like, when I was, like, first getting into, like, the hobby, the fact that, like, all the heroes were space marines. And that's going to sound, like, kind of controversial, but I kind of liked it. The fact that there were so many space marine, like, um, like, leaders and stuff, because they didn't give you a limit on, like, oh, by the way, you have to paint this as a space marines. You could just count as leaders and stuff. And I don't know if you can do that anymore. Like, you can't, like, I definitely know you can't, like, take, like, Corsair Khan and Sergeant, like, um Talion or something anymore and used to be like able to do that you could just like take a rule set and mission mash it but because of the way that warbands and stuff work now if you're like want to like use the rules for a character you can't just do that and i feel like that's like a huge stifling of like creativity because like i mean i would really like to get the old like monos calgar terminator miniature but i don't know what i would do with it just because like i he doesn't fit into my like army um i would like to be able to use a rule for him as well but i can't do that um because of the way like games workshop has like taken to copywriting 
characters with chapter backgrounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I, I just wanted to make the point uh, now that we're talking about this. Um, I think GW gives more customization options for its flagship factions like Stormcast and Space Marines and uh, Imperial Guard. Because like I, my Stormcast book gives me options to make my own storm host based on like the rules of the existing 10 hosts or whatever they have in the book. But reading the Daughters of Cain book, I didn't see any option to like, you know, oh, hey, if you don't like any of these four temples that we've given you rules for, you can make your own. I Maybe that's in there. I, I don't remember it being in there, though. I don't like, do you guys have that in your army books? Uh, I know oh. in the Necrons I do. Yeah, it's it's sort of it's a part. Okay, and they Necrons have, is a newer book though. Necrons is a newer book. They don't have it in Death Guard. You have to use one of the play companies. Yeah. Okay. So it's maybe not flag like completely flagship factions, but it's not uh, equal across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, with that kind of discussion, um, I think that's all we have to say. Anyone else want to have anything to say? I mean, we've gone a little bit long, but I think it's been a very good discussion, especially considering I would, we've been I'd just like to add this with, uh, because I don't really think this is something you can discuss, but I would like to just end it with a little thought. I mean, it's okay to think about, I mean, it, you, you I think more people should probably recognize that Warhammer is the pro- like a product of its time and it's okay to want to move on to other things. You know, it's it's a you know even you know at the very beginning what was 40k it was this sort of like I said every, yes man everyday sci-fi fantasy match together and it was a parody of the time and co- like political landscape of that time and it hasn't really like i mean other than you know uh becoming not a parody of it uh it's still about you know like the 80s political landscape and i think it's okay to want to be like to want to recapture that to want i mean to want it to either you know obviously warhammer's never going to change and i think that i would really like to see a sort of modern version of warhammer not from gw but i mean like you know a, a modern equivalent that maybe parodies the current political landscape you know mm. i think it's okay to recognize the warhammer you know comes from a different time and that not everything has to last forever punks died um and so has games workshop yeah yeah oh and games, uh, games workshop dead. is dead and we have killed him yeah Oh god, yeah. I was gonna go off about niche like almost like every five minutes, but I never got a um good segue into it. Give it I was just... for another episode. Oh yeah. I was gonna just yeah, talk then... about the fans and how Yeah, yeah, I'll save it. Yeah. Well anyways, as always, uh nationalized games workshop. Oh also workshop. I do wanna add one more note. The the idea of like the cult thing actually came to me like my like the interest like actually came to me because of like into looking into it. 
and seeing the similarities because this one um, podcast called Blood and Turf um, did like a, um, you know, like an analysis of like um, turf groups in the UK and how culty they were, which was like an excellent ideal uh, idea. So I just like used some of their research and like um, just shout out to them. Sorry to like interrupt everything. I just wanted to credit them. Sorry. Good. We should credit people. No, we shouldn't credit people. Uh, all of our things are completely original. And so, we're going to sue yeah. you if you have anything else. So bye. Yeah, sleep tight. And see you at The world of sound is governed by exact number. The world of vision is governed by exact number. But it's clear that it must begin from two experiences on which our visual world is Thatcher's dead.